my name is Winnie Bernard. You're now listening to the ICE Podcast, a podcast about innovators, creators, and entrepreneurs from underrepresented communities. My guest today is Noura Sakija. Noura is the co-founder of the uber-successful Majori Jewelry. A third-generation jeweler, Noura never set out to work in the family business. In fact, she became an engineer. Today, Majuri, a company launched in 2015, has a team of more than 120 employees, 80% of which are women. Recently, while seven months pregnant, Nora and her co-founders raised $23 million in Series B funding. That's no easy feat for any startup. Meet the savvy Nora Sakija. So glad to meet you today, Nora. Like, thank you for welcoming us into your office. Of course, thank you for being here. And so excited to get to know you better, to learn more about what you're doing, and just have a nice conversation. Me too. The first thing I wanted to ask you is that I know that you grew up in Jordan. Can you tell me about who you were as a little girl growing up in Jordan? Um, I grew up in a small-ish family. I have a brother and a sister, but I had a lot of uh, cousins who were boys, so I was very much like a tomboy, uh, playing soccer, being outside all the time. Um, you know, being in Jordan is, is a lot of fun as a, as a kid. Um, uh, I was always ambitious. It's it's funny to see. I don't know where I where I got that from, but uh, I've always wanted to do something uh, different, something big. And anyways, growing up, I uh, decided to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then after that, I you know felt that I wanted to move somewhere to get international experience yeah. and really a place where it can allow me to be as ambitious as I as I can be. And that's how I ended up in Canada. But, you know, growing up in Jordan was, was a lot of fun. So what did your parents do in Jordan? Uh, what kind of uh, work did they do? So my family is in the jewelry business. So yeah. I'm a third generation in fine jewelry. Um, and so going back to this industry is very predictable, I guess, for a lot of people who know us. Um, so my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My father uh, is the one who ran the business. Uh, but it's funny, like everyone in my family works in fine jewelry, so okay. it's almost like a, a brand name over there. Okay. So I was really exposed to the ins and outs of it. Uh, my father would travel to Europe uh, to to get merchandise or even buy diamonds, and he's always been very conscious about the quality of the products that he buys, the style. He would handpick everything himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd work honestly like 12 hours every day, six days a week. So I've, I think I've learned a lot of uh, work ethic from him. I've learned a lot of um, information about jewelry and that the fact that it's a very much uh, customer focused business because there's a lot of ambiguity when it comes to fine jewelry. And for him was being close to customers, explaining the materials, explaining the sources was always, you know, on a much smaller scale since it's a retail store, one store, um, was uh, was an eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. Eye-opener, I should say. Um, and and th- those basic principles uh, that we use in Majori, it's about integrity, uh, knowledge of the products, being very transparent, customer-focused. These are things that I'm really, really passionate about. And then watching my father being an entrepreneur um, gives me sort of a paints a very realistic picture mm-hmm. about what it is. Um, 
not as realistic as you know as I'd like it to be, but it was very realistic in the sense that I knew there's ups and downs. Yes. Uh, I didn't think it was an easy thing. I I didn't think it was a straight line. And there are times when you know the, my father's business was doing really well, and there are times when it wasn't. And you know what impact it has on the on the on our family, for Absolutely. example, and what stresses uh, it brings. Right. So I walked into entrepreneurship realizing that it's not going to be um, a straightforward path. And no. I think that sort of helped me a little bit uh, with my grit. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to um, you deciding. So you become a civil engineer. You industrial. To, industrial, sorry. And you uh, you study in Jordan. Yeah. And then you say you want to go somewhere international, but you could have chosen Europe. Why did you choose to come to Canada? Uh, frankly, I uh, chose Canada because we at that time my brother was here, and okay. I said I'll I'll go where our family is. Um, I'm very happy I made that decision. Yeah. I love being here, um, but it was really sparking from. I'm a very much of a family person, and so it was an easier decision for me to be close with him. And then he ended up moving back to Jordan, and I stayed here. So, was your plan to come like temporarily just to get? your higher education degree, your MBA, or was it to stay here and immigrate here? Uh, when I left, it was all about getting my MBA, okay. um, but I fell in love with everything about Toronto, and I saw myself living here, and then a few years after, I met my now husband, um, and so, you know, <laughs> we created a life for ourselves here. What do you miss the most about Jordan? Maybe warm weather throughout the year, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some beaches, you know, but uh, my mother's cooking, these sorts of yes. things. <laughs> Family and things Family, like that. Family, for sure. And what do you like the most about Toronto? Uh, Toronto is, it feels like home for everyone. Like how diverse it is, is just mind blowing how amazing it is. Um, even our team, when you walk in, it's the diversity, it just makes everything better. So many different perspectives, different cultures, different backgrounds, it just makes everything better. After obtaining her degree and establishing a home in Toronto, Nora decided to work full-time. However, on the side, she was developing a business plan. She felt that there was something she could contribute to the jewelry industry. So basically, the, the way we started Majuri is um, I wrote a business plan, we won a business plan competition, and I started working on Mejuri sort of in parallel to, to engineering. And then at some point, uh, I basically realized, you know, I love this so much. Uh, I believe in what we're doing. Uh, when I go to buy jewelry for myself, there isn't a place that I can go to. Most of the jewelry brands are targeting men to buy for women, 10x markups. If I want to buy something for myself, you know, me and my friends would go to costume jewelry. So that was the moment when, you know, where the idea came from. And uh, investing time in it on the side stopped making sense because my passion, I was thinking about it when I'm at work. I was, you know, going back home and, and working until midnight. So, you know, I decided to leave my job and focus 100% on Majuri and, and create a brand about women and about you know, really changing the way that fine jewelry is positioned in the market. Did you ever think that you would be going into the family business? Like, was this a given or it's something that just sort of like happened? It actually happened because I didn't want to be part of the family business. <laughs> the reason being is it is your typical um, fine jewelry business, which is uh, essentially classic designs, uh, more older demographic, men buying for women, very occasional purchases. 
you know, when I looked at it, it's a great business, but it's not something that appeals to me or the next generation. So that's why I took a detour. Mm -hmm. But then when I wanted to buy jewelry or was looking at the market in a very sort of detailed uh, way and looking at all of these direct-to-consumer brands that are popping up in every vertical but nothing was popping up in jewelry mm -hmm. so that was the point when I said you know I love the product I love fine jewelry I have passion for it and expertise and now is the opportunity to create something that really appeals for for our generation and the next generation so that was that was essentially the the moment um, that clicked yes so you said you you had your business plan ready that you were working day in and day out just to <laughs> sort of get this project going and how it was going to look like. But did you have any money, any financing initially? We uh, won grants initially um, to basically build uh, the technology platform at the time. So our entire technology is built in-house. And uh, then we basically got into a business acceleration uh, program uh, called Founder Fuel. It's, part, it's uh, out of uh, Montreal. And from there, we had a little bit of pre-seed uh, capital. We made a decision that we want to be a VC-funded firm, uh, meaning uh, a company, meaning that we want to take the accelerated uh, route. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a conscious decision that we've made. And so being part of the accelerator um, was you know, the beginning of that. Then we raised uh, a seed round. Mm -hmm. um, then we raised a series A, and most recently, a, a few months ago, B. we closed our series B. Now, we talked about this. You're an engineer by trade. What role, if any, does engineering play in this company? I think that it's the basis to how I think. So problem solving is really... Um, you know, as an engineer, you're faced with a lot of, you're trained to problem solve, you're trained to build processes, you're trained to be methodical. Um, maybe there's a specific uh, part of, uh, you know, logical uh, that I think helps me a lot with a lot of aspects of the business. But I'm also lucky enough to have, uh, you know, some creative interests as well to, to complement that. And so I love, for example, working with our creative director on product. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's aspects of it that are very methodical, but then, you know, I'm very much involved in the, in the product side of the business and it energizes me as well. We'll be back with more Noura Sakija. Looking for a custom order for t-shirts or sweaters for your company or your special event? Antika, that's E-N-T-K, can print it for you. Affordable and ethical. Get them your designs. They will take care of the rest. Visit them at entk.ca. That's entk.ca. Raising the necessary seed money to build Majuri was no easy task. Nora had to raise funds not only in Canada, but also in America and in the Middle East. As her company got some traction, things started to get easier. And one of the main things that helped was having the support of her co-founders. Yeah, so the co-founders is me and my husband um, and, and sort of founding team members. After a while, we brought in uh, uh, our creative director and our tech, uh, chief technology officer, uh, Nico. So the four of us were uh, working away. I think it... so. I couldn't have done it without them, essentially. It's very, 
it's amazing to bring subject matter experts in different areas of the business, even when it's very, very small, because it really helps you set the structure for the business. And on an emotional uh, side, you're uh, hustling with them. You're not the only one there. You're not alone. You're not alone. And it can can be very, very lonely. Um, And so having people who are very close with you share the experience is amazing. And we've been very lucky that the four of us are extremely close. Uh, We're like family. And, you know, we've gone through a lot of ups and downs together. Um, that, you know, we, we fully understand each other and I'm very blessed to have them. So let's talk about the downs because uh, as I'm an entrepreneur, you're an yeah. entrepreneur, it's not all uh, roses. No. Um, <laughs> so how, what were some of the challenges that you guys faced early on yeah. and even uh, challenges up to today and how were you able to get through those? Yeah, there's honestly, there's, challenges every day yes of course and i think uh, you learn with experience is that it is part of the game and you learn to expect it and view it differently i think that's the the best thing that's happened to me is that realization um in terms of the challenges that we faced initially it could go all the way from fundraising mm-hmm. uh, was very challenging for example for seed um and then now you know the challenges to hire the top people to really help us build the business. So really it becomes a different sort of challenge and maintaining an amazing culture within the company and growing that culture. So these things become more critical as the company grows. Um, so really, I think challenges is part of every day, but we have a culture at Majuri that we actually encourage experimentation and failure. Okay. We celebrate failures like we celebrate successes because Failures really is what gets us to figure out uh, what works and what doesn't work. And Absolutely. so we don't necessarily shy away from from doing the wrong thing sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Why did you choose to um, sort of have your headquarters here in Toronto? Uh, we were so we're we were in Toronto. That's where the company started. Um, and then, you know, being here is amazing because you have access to amazing talent. Uh, we have um, manufacturing network as well over here. We're close enough to uh, the U.S., which is one of our primary markets, and a lot of our uh, investors are in New York as well. So it's a really great place to be, um, and uh, it just works out well for us. Are the designs made here? Because I know that you do have showrooms here, and also you work with um, in Asia yes. as well. I know that you sort of have things everywhere, Argentina, Asia, yeah. like depending on what it is. Are the products designed here? Yeah, everything is designed in-house. Okay. Uh, and then we produce through uh, our manufacturers that are across the world, not just in Asia. Uh, we also produce in Canada as well. We produce in Europe. Um, so it depends on what the product is. Uh, but everything is in-house in terms of design and product direction. Um, the the testing of the product is in-house. So anything that we produce is essentially ours. You talked about, you touched a little bit upon it, it was the direct-to-consumer model that um, you favored from a jury. Why did you choose that model over having, let's say, your jewelry in like retail stores? Yeah. No, that's a very good question. So there's multiple reasons. Uh, so one of the main reasons of going direct to consumer is really bringing a lot of the supply, uh, the, the efficiencies in the supply chain um, and passing these savings to the customer. So we were trained that fine jewelry is a product that you have to pay, a, you know, 
a lot of money or 10x markups as, as consumers, right? But really thinking, if I go directly to the customer and cut out all of the margins that are on the distribution side, then I'm able to give them quality products without compromising on anything that has to do with quality or design, but at a fraction of the price. So that's one component of it. But most importantly, I think being direct to consumer means that you're constantly in touch with your customer. You get feedback, you build a community, you build a brand, you build a movement. And that is honestly one of the most exciting things about building a direct to consumer brand is really being super in touch with your customer. Um, and that helps you get this feedback, a continuous feedback to really iterate on product or uh, ask for feedback or control the experience and make sure that they're getting the best experience that we can offer. Um, so these factors are extremely important. Let's go back a little bit um, when you, you, you get your funding and you're starting this business. How did you build then your community? Now that you're speaking directly to the consumer, yeah. how did you do that? Uh, one of the things that we always said uh, in Majuri, if any piece of communication is not something that I can say to my friend, we're not going to post it. Okay. So being transparent and being uh, close to the customer, we're not talking at them, we're talking with them. Maybe we are subject matter experts in jewelry, so we know a little bit more, but we are at the same level. Uh, so having that authentic relationship um, is really, really important. Uh, and we've said no to to things that maybe could have got us a little bit more accelerated growth but they, they they're not necessarily on brand and that was very important for us is don't take shortcuts on who we are don't take shortcuts on the customer experience uh no matter what the outcome is what we want to build is a brand that stands for something being close to the customer and really continue to do so so that was i think something i'm very proud of is learning to say no to the things that are not uh, according to our brand values really just so simply saying if i don't say this to my friend why would i say it to my customers absolutely um, if i don't sell this to if i don't buy this as a gift for myself why would i uh, sell it to my customers so being very authentic all the way from product to values to even photography to content everything we always say majority on the inside uh, we want it to be equal to majority on the outside what role did social media or does social media play um, to, for your direct-to-consumer model? Yeah, so it's it's amazing, obviously, being on Instagram and being in touch with our customers and being, you know, quick communication, what are we launching, uh, the updates on the brand, even getting feedback through comments and likes, getting feedback through uh, messages. It really helps us uh, understand our community's uh, engagement with what we're doing. Uh, what's working, what's not working, and helps us create a two-way dialogue and a much closer relationship with a customer. So that's why I think, you know, in, in the age of social media, it's really uh, a golden time for, for companies to emerge and for companies to progress towards uh, really being close to their customers. It's like the sky's the limit, really. Yeah. 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 Who's the majority woman? Um, the majority woman is, you know, that our... our Customers in our community are very much focused on the values, so they very much value transparency. Um, they want to buy from brands uh, that they feel that they belong to. Um, they care about the quality of the product, where it's coming from. Um, one of the things that we always talk about is making luxury a habit and investing in yourself, and I find that a lot of our customers are buying jewelry for themselves. 
Um, and I think that just which is show, new. Yes, it's like people didn't do that before. Exactly. We actually heard a lot of our customers saying, "I never used to think of jewelry that way," and you're you guys are making me you know think of jewelry to buy for myself, which is again investing in yourself, investing in quality products that will last longer. Um, so you know, so our woman really values uh, lifestyle, values everyday, values investing in herself. Um, and brand values are very important. So that's why we really are very transparent about where we produce our pro uh, the products, where uh, the materials come from, um, you know, the designs are made to fit your lifestyle from an everyday standpoint. Uh, the photography is all about the lifestyle of the woman, which is everyday, nothing super manufactured or extravagant. It's really literally everyday woman. Um, even our models are not retouched. So it's really real. It's really something that you can relate to. Um, and that's who we find we re resonate with. So I want to get to know you a little bit better. I know that you're a new mom. Congratulations on the babies. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the twins. And I know that um, you're building a powerhouse, like a, 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 a company that is growing and growing exponentially very rapidly. How have you been able to juggle your new role as a mom, also founder of this great company? <laughs> um, you know, I'm a very new mom, so my my babies turn uh, five months in a couple of days. So I, I can't prete uh, pretend uh, that I know everything about it. But uh, so far, one of the things that really helped me is building a strong team, mm -hmm. um, and that team allows me to actually cut back on my hours. So in the olden days, I used to work easy twelve to sixteen hours a day, and obviously, right now, I cannot do that. But luckily, there's amazing people on the team. I can leave at you know normal hours and go and attend to my babies. Um, and so that makes me very happy is having the balance of both. Um, so and my my husband is very, very supportive. We're equal partners in everything. Um, so number one is team and and we have an amazing nanny as well who helps us. <laughs> Everybody needs help. Yes. Um, what brings you joy? Lots of things. I'm happy to say lots of things, actually, because it's it's very important for me to have that love for life. And I think what brings me joy, Mejuri brings me a lot of joy. And I'm not just saying that it really does. And that's why I came back to work also very early uh, coming here and seeing how people are happy, uh, thriving, um, that we're working towards uh, amazing things. Um, we're achieving them. We're hitting targets. We're having fun mm -hmm. uh, in the meantime. It uh, really makes me happy. My kids, I think, um, you know, it's they bring me so, so, so much joy. Um, I can't wait every day to wake up in the morning. I'm not a morning person, but now I wake <laughs> up at 5.30 to see them, spend time with them, and can't wait to go back home to spend time with them. Um, I think it's a decision that you make uh, to, to really... Um, see joy in different things absolutely um and and these are you know small things like spending time with friends makes me happy it's for me personally having a well-rounded life is very important absolutely yeah so we touched upon the latest round of funding that you just got and congratulations yeah. thank for that. you <laughs> so my question to you would be what's next for Majuri? We're really focused right now on our uh, IRL experiences. So we're uh, launching more and more showrooms or retail spaces. Being in front of our customers in real life is really uh, important for us. 
Uh, we're also going to be focused on expanding internationally as well. We're focused on Canada and the U.S. heavily, but we are looking to expand into other markets. Um, and really growing the team, obviously, to achieve these results is, is very, uh, very important. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank I, you. I really enjoyed our time together. I can't wait to wear your jewelry <laughs> and best of luck in, in everything that you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. The ICE podcast was executive produced by me, Winnie Bernard. Our producer and editor is Alison Vicrobeck. Our associate producers are Sarah Foster and Talar Nersassian. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. For more ICE content, go to our Instagram page at ICE Podcast. Bye for now. Thank you.